0: Chapter Twenty Four of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nuchette Carey. Chapter Twenty Four Down by the Pool. The heaven of thy mild brows hath given grace to all things I see and in thy life i live and lose myself in thee j addington simmons i would love infinitely and be loved browning malcolm was no hot-headed boy to be moved by mere impulse nevertheless the day came when all his prudent resolutions were forgotten when silence and self-repression were absolute torture to him when he felt he must speak or forever hold his peace. It was Elizabeth's birthday. He only heard that afterwards, or he would have brought her some choice offering, in the shape of flowers or books, in honor of his patron saint's fete-day. But happily Elizabeth was unconscious of this. "'I am thirty-one to-day,' she said to him gaily. "'Is not that a great age?' "'Oh, no wonder Cedric calls me an old maid.' and then she laughed with an air of enjoyment, as though her new title amused her. Old maids can be very nice, can they not, Mr. Herrick? They were sitting down by the pool, and Dinah had just left them at Elizabeth's suggestion to tell the servants that they would have tea there, and to answer a business note. The afternoon was sultry, more like August than September, but down by the pool there was a pleasant shade and coolness. As usual, all the dogs were grouped round them, and Elizabeth, in spite of her thirty-one years, looked quite youthful in her white gown. A dark, velvety, cramoisy rose settled against her full throat. Malcolm remembered suddenly that he had noticed that special rose in the garden of the white cottage, when he last dined at the vicarage. He wondered with a sudden, fierce prick of jealousy if that fellow Carlian knew it was her birthday, and had brought it to her. At the idea, there was a dangerous throbbing of his pulses. The previous evening he had strolled across to the woodhouse, in the hope that Elizabeth would be in one of her gracious moods, and then he could coax her to sing to him. But to his disappointment, his visit had seemed less welcome than usual, and though Dinah received him with her wonted gentle courtesy, he had a vague suspicion that something was amiss. Dinah looked as though she had been shedding tears, and Elizabeth's face was flushed, and she was very silent. If he had not known them so well, and their intense love for each other, he would almost have suspected that there had been a warm altercation between them, but this was manifestly impossible. No, they had never quarrelled, even in their childish days—he remembered Elizabeth had once told him that—and assuredly they never quarrelled now. Nevertheless, there was something troubled in the atmosphere, and even Dinah seemed to find it difficult to talk. Malcolm raged inwardly over his disappointment, but he had too much tact to prolong his visit. He was rewarded for his forbearance when Dinah said in her gentle way, "'I am afraid we are rather stupid tonight, Mr. Herrick. Elizabeth is tired, and—and and we have been talking for hours.' If you look in tomorrow afternoon, we will promise to behave better. But though Elizabeth did not endorse this, Malcolm accepted this invitation with undisguised pleasure. But his satisfaction would have been sadly damped if he had overheard Elizabeth's speech. Why did you ask him, die? You know, hesitating a moment, that I like to be quiet on my birthday. He looked so dull, returned Dinah apologetically. I think we depressed him. "'I am very sorry, dear. I ought to have found out your wishes first. "'But he will not stay long unless we ask him.' Elizabeth made no answer to this. She looked thoughtful and a little troubled, and Dinah felt she had done the wrong thing. But this afternoon Elizabeth was in her old sunshiny mood, and she made her little speech about being an old maid in a way that charmed Malcolm. "'How still it was, down by the pool!' Only a dry leaf dropping into the water, or the sleepy snapping of one of the dogs at the midges, or the faint twitter of a far off bird broke the silence. The air was sweet with the warm resinous smell of the firs, the strong perfume seemed to pervade his senses. He was alone with her, not a human creature was near them, and he was so close that if he had stretched out his hand he could have touched her dress malcolm's heart began beating dangerously and there was a curious throbbing at his temples when he tried to speak his voice was thick and indistinct then with a great effort he steadied himself for his time had come and he knew it there is something i want to say to you that for weeks i have been trying to say will you let me speak now did he really say those words or did he whisper them inwardly but no he could see the sudden startled look in elizabeth's eyes when she saw his face may i speak no no in a frightened tone mr herrick for my sake for both our sakes i implore you to be silent i cannot i will not listen her agitation increasing with every word but she might as well have tried to control the wind "'You cannot mean that,' he returned gently but firmly. "'Forgive me if I do not obey you. "'If it is not possible for me to keep silence any longer. "'Elizabeth, surely all these weeks you must have known "'that you were the one woman in the world for me.' "'No, no,' she returned, covering her face with her hands. "'I never knew it. How could I? How could I?' "'But he mistook the cause of her emotion.' I think no woman was ever loved so well. All these weeks that I have been dumb, I have been living for you, only for you.' Then she put up her trembling hand to stop him, but he caught it in his own. "'Elizabeth, will you try to love me a little?' "'Hush, hush!' endeavouring to free herself. "'Indeed, indeed, you must not say such things, Mr. Herrick. You are deceiving yourself.' "'We are friends, and I like you, "'and I am very, very grateful to you "'for all your goodness to Cedric, "'but I never meant it to come to this.' "'How do you mean?' he asked, "'and his face was white with emotion. "'Surely you must have seen "'how things were with me?' "'And Malcolm's voice was a little hard. "'I think I tried not to see,' "'she answered truthfully. "'Once or twice I was afraid, "'and then I told myself I was mistaken. "'Mr. Herrick, I do not want to hurt you. I would not add to your trouble for the world. But at least you will do me the justice of owning that I never gave you any encouragement. No, he returned, in a tone of forced composure. You never encouraged me, in my presumption. I loved you because I could not help myself, because you were Elizabeth Templeton, and I was Malcolm Herrick. Then her eyes grew very sad. Dear friend, It was no presumption. Any woman would have felt honored by such devotion, but— And here a burning flush came to her face. It is too late. I am not free. Malcolm stared at her. Surely he was in some hideous nightmare. But he would wake directly. What an awful stillness seemed round them, as though a storm were impending. The water-lilies on the pool looked like dead things— and even the dragonfly hung motionless in mid-air. Only the dogs panted and snored round them. Elizabeth pressed her hands together, as though something pained her. I am not free, she repeated in a low voice, but she did not look at Malcolm as she spoke. Last evening Mr. Carleon spoke to me, and— and we are engaged. Good God! But Malcolm did not say the words aloud, for his tongue felt suddenly dry and palsied. It was only the cry of his soul to his maker in the hour of his agony. But Elizabeth dared not look at him, or her heart would have been wrung with pity at the sight of his drawn, haggard face. "'We have cared for each other for a long time,' she whispered. "'But he was poor and did not like to speak. Only Dinah knows. "'I had just told her when you came in last evening. "'We did not want anyone else to know just yet. "'But I forced your hand.' Malcolm had pulled himself together now. Thank you for telling me the truth. But you are always a brave woman. And he tried to smile. Oh, no, I have not been brave. And then her eyes suddenly filled with tears. Mr. Herrick, I am so unhappy. This, this has spoiled everything. No, no, you must not say that. If I have been a blind fool, it is no fault of yours, and I have no one to thank but myself for the misery that has come upon me. "'Elizabeth!' "'Oh, how sad his voice was! "'It thrilled her to hear it. "'Before I leave you, "'let me wish you every happiness, "'you and Mr. Carlyon, too.' "'And then he rose to his feet. "'Must you go?' "'She pleaded. "'Yes, I must go,' "'he returned hurriedly. "'Will you excuse me to your sister?' "'Then Elizabeth stretched out her hand "'to him in silence, "'and he saw that she could not trust herself to speak.' "'You must not be too sorry for me,' he said rather brokenly. "'I am not the only man who has been denied his heart's desire.' And he turned away and plunged into the little fir wood. Elizabeth sat listening to his retreating footsteps. The tears were running down her cheeks. She was still weeping when Dinah rejoined her. "'Have I been long?' she observed cheerfully. "'That tiresome Mrs. Carrick called about the mother's meetings. "'Where is Mr. Herrick?' "'Then, as she caught sight of Elizabeth's face, "'Oh, my dear Betty, what is it? "'What has gone wrong? "'And on your birthday, too?' "'Elizabeth wept afresh. "'Hush, don't ask me, not now. "'David will be here directly, "'and he must not see me like this. "'You were right, Di, you saw how it was, "'and I would not believe you. "'I did not want to believe you. "'Now let me go away and recover myself.' "'But Dinah held her fast.' "'You shall go in a moment, dear, but just tell me one thing. "'Did Mr. Herrick ask you to be his wife?' "'Not exactly. I would not let him go as far as that. "'But die he loves me so, and he is so unhappy.' "'Then Dinah sighed, and her hand dropped from her sister's arm. "'You had better go,' she returned. "'I see Mullins crossing the bridge. "'If David comes, I will make an excuse for your absence.' "'And Elizabeth nodded and turned away.' Dinah's heart was very heavy as she stood looking down upon the pool. It is the looker-on who sees most of the game, and weeks ago she had vainly tried to open Elizabeth's eyes to a sense of her danger. He has never said a word to me that the whole world might not hear. I don't believe he ever will, Elizabeth had replied obstinately. But Dinah knew that she was willfully deceiving herself, that her intuition was truer than her words, and that in malcolm herrick's presence she was always on guard as if she feared an invasion of her woman's kingdom dinah could have wept too in her grievous disappointment and passionate pity for elizabeth's choice seemed to her a great mistake david carleon was a dear fellow and as good as gold but he was not equal to malcolm if only they had met a year ago she thought before david's influence grew so strong She would surely have discovered then that they were made for each other. Mr. Herrick is just the sort of man she would have admired. There is something striking and original about him. And then, in spite of his cleverness, he is so simple and good. Oh, Betty, my darling, she went on, why could you not have given me such a brother? I should have been so proud of him. And then Dinah checked herself in very shame, for she remembered how she had promised Elizabeth the previous evening that she would take David Carleon to her sisterly heart. It was not a very cheerful birthday tea, though each one of the trio tried to do his or her best to promote innocent hilarity. Elizabeth talked a great deal, but her face was still flushed, and she rather avoided her lover's eyes and as for David, he talked principally to Dinah, he told funny little parish stories which made her laugh, and to which Elizabeth listened with a manifest effort, and he took no notice when she chimed in with some irrelevant remark. Dinah wondered to herself more than once if he really had not noticed that Elizabeth's eyelids were still reddened, in spite of cold water and eau de cologne. David was certainly a little dense in his happiness, she thought, and then she sighed involuntarily, as she thought of the lonely man who had left them. "'He will take it hardly,' she said to herself. "'His nature is intense, and he will suffer more than most men.' And as this thought passed through her mind, she looked up and found David's keen, bright eyes fixed on her, and colored a little, as though he had read her thoughts. When tea was over, Dinah made some transparent little excuse to go back to the house, for in these sweet early days of their happiness she knew well that the lovers would have much to say to each other. And she was not wrong. Before she was out of sight, David had flung himself down at Elizabeth's feet and had taken her hands. "'What is it, dearest?' he said tenderly. "'You have been shedding tears. "'Do you think I did not know that?' Then Elizabeth blushed, as though she were a child discovered in a fault. "'Tell me all about it, darling,' he whispered. But she shook her head. I cannot, David. Indeed, I cannot. You must not ask me to tell you this. Elizabeth's voice quivered a little, but she was very much in earnest. Must I not? He returned with a smile. Don't look so frightened, sweetheart. Perhaps there is no need to ask. Perhaps I know all you are trying to keep from me. And then, in a low voice full of meaning, So Herrick has spoken at last. At last! It was evident those two words had startled Elizabeth. David, with some difficulty, suppressed an irresistible smile. Do you mean, he asked incredulously, that you never noticed what every one else saw so plainly, that that poor fellow fairly worshipped the ground you trod on? Then again a painful flush came to Elizabeth's face. I was not sure, she stammered, for her conscience did not wholly acquit her i would not let myself see or notice things besides i was thinking of you then david kissed the hands he held but there was a troubled look in his eyes poor beggar he muttered to himself then aloud do you know my darling what people will say when they hear you have thrown over a man like herrick for me for a mere curate with empty pockets and not too many brains do you suppose i care what they say throwing her head back in rather a regal fashion they will say you are mad and upon my word and here david knit his brows in a puzzled manner i am not sure that they will be wrong look at the difference between us herrick is my superior in every way i used to shake in my shoes to hear him talk to the vicar elizabeth my heart aches for that poor fellow but even you do not know what i have suffered on his account all these weeks there were times when i was tempted to throw up the sponge Oh, David, when you knew, when you must have known my feelings. Yes, I knew, but there were days when my courage failed me, and I felt I had no right to stand in your light. Dearest, and here he was kneeling beside her, with all a man's worship, in his honest eyes. You are too good for me. Do you think I do not know that it is your goodness and generosity that make you stoop to me? But Elizabeth laid her hand upon his lips. Hush! You shall not talk so. It is I who am not worthy of you. I love you, David, I love you, oh so dearly. That is enough for you, and me too. And Elizabeth looked at him with an adorable smile. Then, for a little while, Malcolm Herrick was forgotten. End of chapter 24